0: European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 42, Issue 4, Focus Issue, Interventional Cardiology, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea, read to you by Morgan Bryan. Management of Ischemic Stroke, Prognostic Impacts of Procedural Myocardial Injury, Antiplatelet Treatment, The Many Facets of Interventional Cardiology. Acute ischemic stroke is one of the leading causes of death and the single leading cause of permanent disability. Before pharmacologic and invasive reperfusion became available, the treatment of patients with acute ischemic stroke, or AIS, focused on supportive care and rehabilitation. Since the efficacy of endovascular therapy, or EVT, for acute ischemic AIS was demonstrated by randomized control trials, the number of EVTs has doubled to tripled in high-income European countries, while in some countries this has even increased by up to 10 times and is close to providing EVT for AIS in all cases where it is indicated. This focus issue on interventional cardiology begins with a special article entitled Interdisciplinary Management of Acute Ischemic Stroke Current Evidence Training Requirements for Endovascular Stroke Treatment Position paper of the European Society of Cardiology, prepared by the ESC Council on Stroke and the European Association of Percutaneous Cardiovascular Interventions, with support of the European Board for Neuro Interventions, authored by Petra Vidimsky and colleagues from the Charles University in Prague, Czech Republic. This ESC Council on Stroke EAPCI EBNI position paper, summarizes recommendations for training of cardiologists in endovascular treatment of acute ischemic stroke. Interventional cardiologists adequately trained to perform endovascular stroke interventions could complement stroke teams to provide 24-7 on-call duty and thus increase timely access of stroke patients to endovascular treatment. The training requirements for interventional cardiologists to perform EVT are described in detail and should be based on two main principles. One, patient safety cannot be compromised. Two, proper training of interventional cardiologists should be under the supervision of and guaranteed by a qualified neurointerventionist and within the settings of a stroke team. Interdisciplinary cooperation, based on common standards and professional consensus, is the key to the quality improvement in stroke treatment. After percutaneous coronary intervention or PCI with second-generation drug-eluting stents or DES, whether short dual antiplatelet therapy or DAPT followed by single antiplatelet therapy or SAPT with a P2Y12 receptor inhibitor confers benefit compared to prolonged DAPT is unclear. Short antiplatelet therapy followed by P2Y12 inhibitor monotherapy versus prolonged dual antiplatelet therapy after percutaneous coronary intervention with second-generation drug-eluting stents? A systematic review and meta-analysis of randomized clinical trials. Daniela Giacoppo from the University of Padua in Italy and colleagues investigate this question. Multiple electronic databases, including PubMed, Scopus, Web of Sciences, OVID, and ScienceDirect were searched to identify randomized trials comparing less than or equal to 3 months of DAPT followed by P2Y12 inhibitor SAPT versus 12 months of DAPT after PCI with second-generation DES implantation. The primary and co-primary outcomes of interest were major bleeding and stent thrombosis one year after randomization. Summary hazard ratios and 95% confidence intervals, or CIs, were estimated by fixed effect and random effects models. Multiple sensitivity analyses, including random effects models, CI adjustment, were applied. A sensitivity analysis comparing trials using P2Y12 inhibitor SAPT with those using SAPT with aspirin was performed. A total of five randomized clinical trials, about 32,000 patients, were available. Major bleeding was significantly lower in patients assigned to short DAPT followed by P2Y12 inhibitor SAPT compared with those assigned to 12 months DAPT, hazard ratio 0.63. No significant differences between groups were observed in terms of stent thrombosis, hazard ratio 1.19, and the secondary endpoints of all-cause death, Hazard ratio 0.85, myocardial infarction, hazard ratio 1.05, and stroke, hazard ratio 1.09. Sensitivity analyses showed overall consistent results. By comparing trials testing less than or equal to 3 months of DAPT followed by P2Y12 inhibitor SAPT versus 12 months of DAPT with trials testing less than or equal to 3 months of DAPT followed by aspirin SAPT, versus 12 months of DAPT. There was no treatment by subgroup interaction. The authors conclude that after second-generation DES implantation, one to three months of DAPT followed by P2Y12 inhibitor SAPT is associated with lower major bleeding and similar stent thrombosis, all cause death, myocardial infarction, and stroke compared with prolonged DAPT. Whether P2Y12 inhibitor SAPT is preferable to aspirin SABT needs further investigation. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Mark Sabatine from the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Professor Sabatine concludes that although there are additional areas that still warrant exploration, the emerging evidence now seems to point to P2Y12 inhibition as the new cornerstone of long-term antiplatelet therapy. The prognostic importance of cardiac procedural myocardial injury and infarction, or MI, in chronic coronary syndrome, or CCS, patients undergoing elective percutaneous coronary intervention, or PCI, is still debated. In a clinical research manuscript entitled, Procedural Myocardial Injury, Infarction, and Mortality in Patients Undergoing Elective Percutaneous Coronary Intervention, the pooled analysis of patient-level data. Johanna Sylvain from the Hôpital Petit-Salpêtrière APHP in Paris, France and colleagues analysed individual data in 9,081 patients undergoing elective PCI with normal pre-PCI baseline cardiac troponin, or CTN, levels. Multivariate models evaluated the association between post-PCI elevations of CTN and one-year mortality, while the interval analysis evaluated the impacts of the size of the myocardial injury on mortality. Procedural myocardial injury, as defined by the fourth universal definition of MI, post-PCI CTN elevation greater than or equal to 1 times 99th percentile upper reference limit, URL, occurred in 52.8% of patients and was not associated with one-year mortality, adjusted OR 1.35. The association between post-PCI CTN elevation and one-year mortality was significant starting at greater than or equal to three times 99th percentile URL. Major myocardial injury defined by post-PCI greater than or equal to five times 99th percentile URL occurred in 18.2% of patients and was associated with a two-fold increase in the one-year mortality Adjusted OR 2.29, P equaling 0.004. In the subset of patients for whom periprocedural evidence of ischemia was collected, type 4A MI defined by the fourth UDMI occurred in 12.7% of patients and was strongly associated with one-year mortality, adjusted OR 3.21, P equaling 0.005. Sylvain et al. conclude that their analysis demonstrates that in CCS patients with normal baseline CTN levels, the post-PCI CTN elevation of greater than or equal to 5 times 99th percentile URL used to define type 4 MI is associated with one-year mortality and could be used to detect major procedural myocardial injury in the absence of procedural complications or evidence of new myocardial ischemia. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Brian Bergmark and David Morrow from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. The authors note that Sylvan's findings reinforce the association between procedural myocardial injury and mortality after elective PCI and establish that major myocardial injury, greater than or equal to 5 times URL, is associated with one-year mortality in this population. However, large CTN elevations that occur in less than 2% after elective PCI and those accompanied by clinical findings are associated with higher absolute risk. These data help to inform the selection of criteria for procedural myocardial injury for research and quality improvement. In a state-of-the-art review article entitled Evolution of Antithrombotic Therapy in Patients Undergoing PCI, a 40-Year Journey, by Roxana Mehran from the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York, United States. The author notes that since the introduction in 1977, percutaneous coronary intervention has become one of the most commonly performed therapeutic procedures worldwide. Such widespread diffusion, however, would not have been possible without the concomitant evolution of the pharmacotherapies associated with this intervention. Antithrombotic agents are fundamental throughout the management of patients undergoing coronary stent implantation, starting from the procedure itself to the long-term prevention of cardiovascular events. The last 40 years of interventional cardiology have seen remarkable improvements in both drug therapies and device technologies which largely reflected a progressive understanding of the pathophysiological mechanisms of coronary artery disease, as well as procedure and device-related adverse events. This article provides an overview of the important milestones in antithrombotic pharmacology that have shaped the clinical practice of today, while also providing insight into knowledge gaps and future directions. The manuscript is accompanied by two discussion forum contributions in a manuscript entitled High-Risk NSTE ACS, High Time for Robust Data. Thomas Kite from the University of Leicester and University Hospitals of Leicester in the United Kingdom comments on the recent publication entitled 2020 ESC Guidelines for the Management of Acute Coronary Syndromes in Patients Presenting Without Persistent ST Segment Elevation. The Task Force for the Management of Acute Coronary Syndromes in Patients Presenting Without Persistent ST Segment Elevation of the European Society of Cardiology, or ESC, by the ESC Scientific Document Group. Professor Thiel et al. respond in a separate comment. In another discussion forum contribution entitled Risk Stratification Refinement and Implantable Cardioverter Defibrillator Protection for the coronary artery disease patients with a preserved left ventricular systolic function with a two-step programmed ventricular stimulation-inclusive approach. Petros Arsenos and colleagues comment on the recent publication Simple Electrocardiographic Measures to Improve Sudden Arrhythmic Death Prediction in Coronary Disease by Neil Chatterjee from the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.